Welcome back to another edition of Sports Tech Atlanta Seed Talk. I'm your host, Sterling Mack, joined on the other end by Taylor Mack. Um, today we'll bring to you a few interesting sports tech stories, but we'll start it off. Um, well, we are recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so we're Thank you for that. Okay. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk the big game. Let's talk. What's your favorite thing about the Super Bowl? Is it the game? Is it the prop bets? Is it the commercials? What's your favorite part? Sterling, my favorite part is seeing all these paid actors at halftime. Um, basically being forcing laughter and, and joy for these performances done by, you know, formerly Justin Timberlake. Now this year, it's going to be the weekend. It's the only thing I look forward to is the halftime show, just to see the forced awkwardness of these crowds to make it seem like it's a real live and lively concert that's uh, that's being put on. Um, it's just something that's always been odd to me. And I, I don't know why I just like, I just like watching the choreography that goes on at the halftime show. Cause it's, it's odd. It's forced and not necessary at all. And it's a little joy that I get because obviously the game, I think, will be good. You got to find the joy in like the smaller things. And that's that's just my little it's my little thing. Might be weird, but it's what I look forward to. I um, how enthusiastic they are. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, the I think the concerts at halftime have gotten so much better. I mean, the one that I can remember, I guess, when I was a little bit younger was Prince. Right. And mm-hmm. I. At the time, I just I didn't realize I knew Prince was good. Like I didn't grow up in the '80s or anything, you know what I mean? So, mm. but it was cool. I think just the way people like to your point, everyone in the crowd was like super was for the first time, in my opinion, like actually into seeing Prince, right? Yeah. Um, the I next think you had a I legit could, crowd though for the, for for Prince, like legit fans out there. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what yeah. I mean by that. Okay. And so it just the reaction of it. I think the next one where I felt like the crowd was very genuine to the concert mm-hmm. or to the performer was Bruno Mars. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That was that was a good concert. Like everything about it was authentic. I think, and he's just yeah. a good performer. Yeah, and then the next year was. Beyonce and I felt like she took it like another I mean she's just the way that she understands visuals and just she's amazing um but I also thought at the time she was I mean Beyonce is so big it felt again very very natural the reaction to people but to your point it's always there's been a couple where I remember I forget there was like this rock group one year and you could just see you know they got the people down on the stage yelling I forget who do who was it Maroon 5 um I don't think so. But yeah, you get like the you see the fake enthusiasm down there and you're like, all right, I know you're you're not that excited. You're like you, you see, like there's always and look for it in the crowd. This is a, it's a fun game. There's always that one like 60 year old guy that's just there doing the overhand claps and like trying to be it's just it's like you know you're not supposed to be there. You're, you're not supposed to be down there. It's just it's just it's not authentic. It's gonna be it's interesting good. too with the weekend, right? Because like I think he's gonna do his new poppier stuff, but like if he does Dark Weekend, Ooh. what the, what are some of those people gonna do? <laughs> exactly, like I I want to see if we if Weekend comes out with like Trilogy Weekend and and does like you know the sound of Michael Jackson, which he's which he kind of came out with or started right. with. I'll love it, but I don't think we're gonna we're just gonna get that. Ooh, I'm blinded by the light. I can't feel my face. That song too. Yeah, it's just gonna be real poppy. Like I'm I'm really not looking forward to the performance. I just want to see what the crowd's going to do just because it's 
Weekend's a big name, but I don't think it's a, a cross generational name yet for the older adults. Are like, who's the weekend? They probably couldn't pick him up out of a lineup, and so it'll it'll be interesting. But you know, they say you have to self finance your halftime performance, and he's put up seven million dollars of his own money. So, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, well, I'm a. Uh... I like to do to be a little degenerate on Sunday, Ooh, on okay. the Super Bowl Sunday. So for me, it's to see like how the coin toss is going to go, how the opening kickoff goes. What's the like those type of prop bets are super fun for me. Mm-hmm. If you're playing squares with friends, it's always great to see what the ending score is of every quarter and, and at the half. Um, so those are kind of mine. I think I'm definitely going to do Tales for the Coin Toss. That'll be my first uh, prop bet of the day. Okay. okay. Um, Tales never fails. Tales never fails. Shout out NCAA football coming back. Um, I'm definitely riding. I'm just, I feel like Pat Mahomes is going to put on a show. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I feel like I'm going to ride with him to be the MVP. So I'm betting on that. To his over under passing yards or 327. I'm definitely doing that as well. I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm actually doing a little, I'm doing a little teaser though. Uh, the line is three, as you know. There's a lot of money going to the Bucks. So I'm teasing the Chiefs to the other side. I'm going to uh, tease them the plus uh, three. And then with where the over under is, I'm like, uh, it's, you know, it's at 56. So let's mm-hmm. just push that up, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to tease the over under to 62 and take the under there so um those are kind of my big ones obviously i'm gonna probably do some other dumb stuff throughout the day but uh that's what i'm most excited about i'm just excited to see like how things go at the beginning because it's fun to see if you win you know a couple dollars here there so on my radio show uh we had a caller call in and he actually had a very good radio drop of uh yeah i you know you know you know shameless uh but he had a very good string of what he was going to do and he said let he said take tampa bay 100%. 100%. So you want to take Tampa Bay plus three and then parlay that with the under at 56 and a half. And then it was one more thing at the end. So you can hit boom, 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 bam, and uh, quadruple this money up out here. I was like, you know what? That that actually is not a bad, that's not a bad play. But I didn't, because I never even thought about the internal parlay within the game. I didn't even know you could do that. I thought the parlay goes to game to game, not with in game bets as well. So, um, that was very interesting that uh, he took that approach, but it was basically using, it was like slam dunk under all the way um, Tampa Bay. And then it was something else at the end of the day. Something yeah. Else. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said, I mean, I, that's why I'm kind of teasing it. That's why I'm teasing it to, to, um, to 62 there and uh, going with that. I mean, we'll see. So um, let me, let yeah. me ask you what, uh, who do you think will be the first touchdown score of the game travis kelsey oh going kelsey everybody's going kelsey you know who my dark horse is Miko uh, hardman Fournette. Miko hardman mm. i haven't seen anything i haven't seen a lot of stuff out there on him but i think it's a dark horse that's not a bad idea it's also one of those where they've got so many weapons man like it's just yeah it's just it's it's gonna be interesting um I also think I think the Bucks are going to keep it close for a while. I mean, three. It's weird that the, the line to me is three. If we're being honest, but um, line at three and then fifty six and a half. Like that's Vegas knows something, right? And I don't know what they know, 
because let's look at conditions. It's going to be a, a mild night. I think everything looks clear right now in Tampa. And um, obviously, obviously home field advantage for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But other than that, like no COVID real, uh, no, no big COVID issues, COVID issues. It originally looked like it was going to be because of that whole Barber story that came out. But right now you're looking OK and um, it should just be a straight up game. But Vegas knows something. They always yeah. yeah they know something so yeah we'll see uh, I'm I'm excited it'll be if Tom Brady does this he'll be the second quarterback to join uh, Peyton Manning as mm. the only quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl for two different teams uh, um, mm. kind of crazy I didn't know that stat um, and speaking of Peyton Manning he was just uh, selected as we found out last night him Charles Woodson and Megatron uh, their first years on the ballot for the NFL Hall of Fame, and they were all selected. Mm. Um, were, were, were any anything shocking from last night? And and what do you think of uh, kind of surrounding some of these these Hall of Fame uh, votes? Obviously, the baseball one just went through. No one was selected for the MLB one. There's mm-hmm. a lot of clout over a lot of guys there. How do you feel like the process goes? And and were you were you okay with the list that came out for the NFL? So I was okay with the list that came out with the NFL, and what I. You go on the social media sphere. So let's let's I'm going to talk about NFL and I'll talk about the MLB. And so you go on the social media sphere. And if you're out there right now, as you're just kind of searching Twitter before the game, you're going to see so much outrage. Like they're like AJ Hawk didn't make it into um, the Hall of Fame as a linebacker. And you have to really you have to really consider if if social media was the were the uh, you know, the final decision makers on who gets into the Hall of Fame, that bar would now be you know set so low everybody would be getting it because everybody is emotionally tied to players. And so now they're like, Oh, I think that his stats are good enough and then they should be in, but let's really break it down. Like as a, as a wide receiver, it's so hard to, it's so hard to get into the hall. And I appreciate what the NFL does from a bar standpoint that they don't lower that. And it makes it that much more special to get into the hall of fame for the NFL. So I, I actually like the list that came out last night and, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, it's the gosh, gosh wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys that that I, I believe should be in. I, I just can't get his name right now. And uh, from former, you know, past past players, I think he was on like the '90s teams as they went on the Super Bowl run. But other than that, um, I I have no problems with it. But people need to understand from the social standpoint, like it is you have to be extraordinary to get into the Hall of Fame. And just because you know you had a string of good seasons and your stats were you know, above average, that doesn't automatically qualify you to just be in the Hall of Fame because um, that I think that then diminishes the whole point of the Hall of Fame. And so on the flip side with the MLB, I got a lot of problems with the MLB. Um, the voting system for the MLB, it, it just needs a, a complete overhaul. And I also think socially, you know, Kurt Schilling, you know, went on his whole rant about not being able to get in. But if you Look at the barometer for the quarter for the uh, sorry pitchers that are in, you know, what do you have to weigh? You know, are you weighing his postseason performance, which is extraordinary? And then you look at what he's done socially lately and especially in this climate uh, with his inflammatory comments, which have definitely played into the factor why he, you know, as a fringe player already hasn't made it. Or you do look at the just uh, overall baseline. He doesn't have over, you know, what, two, three hundred wins. Sorry. Yeah, he doesn't have over 300 wins. His ER, yeah. his regular season ER. I mean, he was always a, a really, really good postseason pitcher. Mm-hmm. His regular seasons were something I think. Um, 
you know, all the people always kind of wanted more, right? And and there were questions around his conditioning and, and things that he did uh, throughout the regular season that kind of made him more effective. Right. Uh, to your point, yeah. And, and, you know, he's really outside of like, you know, like Pedro, right, who Pedro doesn't have 300 wins, but we know why, because he played on really bad Expos teams. And then before the Red Sox got good, they were on bad teams as well. But he was, in my opinion, the best pitcher of his of his era there, right? Okay. There's okay. questions if it's Maddox, if it's Randy Johnson. Like to me, if I'm taking someone from the 90s, it's Pedro Martinez, and everyone understands the effectiveness of that. So, um, yeah, it's the, the, the Kurt Schilling thing, I mean, but that's a tough question, right? Because go back to I'm not comparing the two people. But what I'm trying to say is, like, Terrell Owens, right, didn't get in for a few years. Mm-hmm. To your point, it is hard to get in as a wide receiver. They've put a certain kind of bar there. You just kind of talked about Drew Pearson, who just got in for the Cowboys, um, who, you know, stats aren't amazing, but he played in an era when, like, they didn't throw the ball a ton. But he was right. – during his era, he was one of the best wide receivers. Right. Terrell Owens, it took three times to get in, and that was because of this – whole morality around who he was as a person. Now, again, not comparing the two from a morality right. perspective, T.O. was just an asshole and, like, did sit-ups in his, in his yard, right? Like he was looked at as a team distraction, whereas, you know, on the flip side with Kurt, he's looked at as a social <laughs> – a social um, – how I would just say, you know, social cancer, I'll say. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's an easy way to put that. It's, yes. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just say Kurt Chilling's a shitty person. Yeah, right? you know that's uh, that's that, you know for lack of better words that that's an easier way to put it that way. Uh, and I also I always thought To was railroaded with that. Um, he should have been you know first ballot to to Hall of Famer when he was put on there. And just because somebody does push ups in their driveway, he never did anything from a team standpoint that was detrimental. Um, and it, I don't think he ever defaced the shield, whether if that was playing or post. It was just he rubbed. Uh, you know, GMs, writers the wrong way because he did it the way he did it his way, but his way still wasn't negatively affecting teams or the NFL in its in itself. Like T.O., the, the Sharpie uh, celebration, the pom-pom celebration, and then playing on the broken leg for, you know, newly constructed, you know, you know, fixed broken leg in the in the Super Bowl and putting up 200 plus yards or 195, 102. Uh, like 13 catches, like 187. Yeah. Yeah. He put the team on his back. So I, I thought he should have been. He just got real. Like you said, he railroaded just because of people and his perception. But I think as the league gets more progressive now and voices are being able to be heard more, um, I think we'll look back in history and be, you know, and I think they'll admit that T.O. should have been, you know, a first ballot overall at the end of the day. Um, I, I also have another problem when it comes to voting. And, and it's the whole perception that if, if one voter or one, I mean, if we take it, the baseball, you know, writer doesn't coincide with everybody else's vote and it's not, you know, unanimous. So let's take, for instance, last night with the, or uh, the other night with the NFL awards and you had, you know, big Ben was thrown a, a, a vote for comeback player of the year. And it wasn't Alex, you know, unanimous for Alex Smith. And everybody's like, well, why wasn't it unanimous? It should have been unanimous. Alex Smith had an amazing comeback and that was an amazing story. Big Ben had a had a great comeback in his own right, and I I believe deserve recognition as well. So you know it does. It's Alex Smith Smith still won at the end of the day, and I don't like where we are heading when it comes to the social pressure of so and so should be in because I think so, and then that 
might gain garner a lot of attention because you know retweets are power right now and um something that should never snowball and be bigger than what it is can now possibly have that effect as we head in that direction and then on the flip side with the the voting um from the unanimous side of things and like when and as things need to be unanimous i don't think that should be the case everybody should have their distinction for who they believe uh fits the criteria for for you know what they are voting for so it's just really interesting where we're heading and i don't like where we're going if i yeah i've been um yeah, it's one of those things where I think um, I think LeBron talked about it one day, right? And he was talking about the fact that, you know, like Marcus Gasol won like Defensive Player of the Year, right? He wasn't mm-hmm. the best defensive player. And mm-hmm. we do these things within voting and like sometimes we just give it to guys because it's like their time or like, oh, they've, they've done it for this long and like I'm just going to do this. And like, I, I don't know. I think writers are super finicky. I think people that have votes um, – there, it's been guarded for so long. We've done it in this way for so long. And sometimes it's like right. a lot of these people don't even watch games. A lot of these people don't even like watch what's going on. Right. Right. They just look at the stat, the stat sheet at the end they of the day. They just look at stats. They look at Twitter. And um, yeah, and it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I have like a better process or way that we can do it, but it's, it just feels like just because we gave writers the ability to vote for this stuff, you know, 50 years ago or something, 60 years ago, whenever, right. When they were truly the gatekeepers. Now it's like, there's, there's really people out here that are watching these games every day. And I, I think a lot of media people do not watch sports. Yeah. They even say it They're like, I, there's no way I can watch all these games, you know, so forth. Yeah. And, so on. and then they get on and just like spout like BS. Right. And so right. I think that's, I, I think both of those are just issues where you, you really forget about, you know, one, how hard it is. You're talking about comeback player of the year, right? Like, I mean, what Big Ben did this year, I mean, that team was undefeated for a long time. He was the catalyst to them being undefeated. Obviously, he, he faltered down the stretch. But to for him to come back off of the injuries that he had had was um, was unbelievable, right? right. In, in any world, right? Right. Not, that doesn't take anything away from Alex Smith, right? Right. What Alex Smith went through and he almost died, you know, like with his leg and everything, like is also – one of those just amazing stories. So, right. um, yeah, things just, can I, coexist out here and people are making it seem as they cannot. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a tough time with like the whole baseball hall of fame voting where it's like this, mm-hmm. like take Andrew Jones, right. Who is, there's really no argument at this point. Like he is the best defensive center, really outfielder of all time. Right. Center fielder. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how – and he has like 430 home runs. And what people have done is they're like, oh, well, you know, he got fat in his career after like 30 or 31. His war went down. Player. Offensive production wasn't the same. When it's he like was, who, the, who cares? Right, exactly. You turn the tape on, and, and I, I think that's why the NFL did a good job this year um, with, you know, defensive player of the year went to Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt didn't – T.J. Watt didn't get it. And it's like, yeah, you turn the tape on. There are things that these players are doing that don't always go down in the stat sheet. Andrew Jones being able to cover the the, the ground that he did, uh, stop, you know, shagging shagging balls, holding runners up, maybe on first base, or preventing somebody from tagging to go from second to third, um, with what he did defensively, is stuff that I mean, they, there's so many metrics out there, but some stuff you just you need to watch for yourself to then evaluate and be like. I know what he did 
and it deserves to be along with what, you know, his stats are deserves to just automatically be in the hall of fame. Um, and so we need more of that. I'm, I'm with you on, on that, on that point. And yeah, I just think, you know, I think in all of this, right. We need better. We need people that are truly like watching, watching games to be handing out votes, right. People that truly care. And I think that's, um, it's a weird thing right now. So, yeah. uh, but again, like you said, um, shout out to the list. Let's read the list off for the NFL real quick before we move on. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Drew Pearson, Allen. Oh, my bad. Answer. Drew Pearson did get in. I, I thought I, I missed his name. Who? Drew Pearson did get in. I yeah. know you said it, but I, I guess I missed it when I was reading. My bad. Um, Allen Fancha, Bill Nunn, John Lynch, and Tom Flores. Um, so shout out to them. Awesome. Obviously the big three names there, Peyton, Charles, and, and Calvin. Uh, mm-hmm. So it should be pretty cool uh, when they arrive there. So we will transition, do a little, we'll do a little sports tech here. I guess we went, I'll say long, but um, we'll hit a few really, you know, we pulled some things from like partnerships and some things that we thought were pretty cool. Obviously, there's a couple of baseball stories I wanted to, to highlight here is uh, we're getting very close to spring training kind of hopping up, you know, baseball's, Trade machines have been uh, pretty wild here. Nolan Arenado um, going to the Cardinals. Trevor Bauer signing a mega deal to go to La La Land. Um, so the first one that we have here is Rawlings. Uh, recent new partnership with Motion Sensor Technology Company, Blast Motion. We did a, a story um, probably four or five months ago back on Blast Motion. Um so the deal is going to center around blast motion swing analysis sensors being integrated into rolling non-wood bats for baseball and softball. This is really big. I remember, um, you know, not obviously non-wood bats. That's pretty much everybody that is college and below. So um, it's it's interesting, too, because those are the people that truly you really need the feedback the, the the data for um for their swing mm-hmm. and and so good on rollings good on blast motion to be able to have this kind of swing analysis for four kids i i can't wait to see it actually kind of like placed into the bats and and kind of how it's going to be used um or you know essentially kind of how the product's going to look but um it, it should be super super cool here so i think they're going to be calculating metrics such as the bat approach angle and bat speed and uh the feedback will be shared through blast motions mobile app uh taylor what do you think about this one yeah uh i mean it just it just dives into all the analytics that are continuing to grow for the for baseball and for softball you know they have the partnership with the usa women's um softball national team and you know more than 20 MLB teams are using blast motion but like you like you just said it's you know outlawed from being used in game at the moment for for MLB teams and at the same time like you know inputting into a, a wooden bat will be very interesting i don't think you can accomplish that in a you know good way that doesn't you know translate to some type of weird feedback in the hands when you're hitting a ball i think that's going to be very very different um, approach there but for what you're getting back from these swing sensors uh, it's just going to continue to improve the the swings, especially for um, the the little the uh, little kids, you know, uh, as they're progressing through our progressing up. So you're being able to fine tune, um, you know, kids' swings, and you know, it's just going to make baseball that much more tougher for for pitchers that are out there, as you can, you know, in game correct yourself, um, or and then and then also during the week correct yourself, but being able to puts numbers and data to what you're you know physically doing 
is going to continue to help these kids improve. And, uh, you know, baseball and softball sky will be the limit as you know, these products are, they weren't available for us, but these kids out here are just going to be next level. Yeah, no, it will be, man. I mean, gosh, I, I can't, I, I remember when in high school, the first time I had like we had like a sensor and you had to like put this thing in your bat and then the sensor essentially was like underneath you as you're hitting. So you're trying to make sure you don't like ground a ground ball into it. Mm-hmm. Um, just coming such a long way. So uh, again, shout out to Rawlings and Blast Motion for doing this. And um, I believe the first product actually is going to be in the Matcha softball bat. So it should be super cool. Shout out to that. Uh, the next one is Hyperice, which is the maker of handheld massage and therapeutic devices as acquired uh, Recover X. Uh, Recover X is a wearable device uh, that does supply heating and cooling therapy. Uh, so the deal will enable Hyperice to further its thermal technology offerings and release a new line of recovery devices this summer. Uh, Taylor, what do you think about this? Have you used Hyperice yet? Have you uh, tried any of the products? No, I, I haven't. So I was pretty surprised about this one. Um, Apparently, you know, the former NBA commissioner, David Stern, who was an early you know, investor in Recovery X, had been using such knee braces. So um, it's kind of new to me. And it's very, really interesting from the therapy standpoint. Not, you know, knock on wood, I was blessed to not have anything happen to where I needed to have a, a brace like this. Um, but I, I like the prospect of it, you know, the heating and cooling therapy that that uh, goes into it. Yeah, like it's crazy. Um, I used this, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, to your point, 20, I think 18 was when it really got big and uh, my buddy had it. And so I tried it and I remember I just played like a pickup league basketball game. And uh, mm-hmm. it's like, I was like, hey, man, like, can I use your like, your like, whatever stuff? I didn't even know what it was called at the time. Right. And then he gave it to me and let me, and I felt, I mean, honestly, like legitimately like rejuvenated like an hour later, like my legs, like my legs just, you know, when you're, you know, after a game and I think I'd played the 40 minutes, it's 40 minutes running clock. I get it. I'm complaining about that. But like, as you get older, you're just like, ah, that's that's a lot. I think I played probably like 35 minutes in that game. Mm -hmm. So I was just exhausted and my legs were just jelly. Uh, And I used this and uh, I felt great. So yeah, shout out to them. Um, Like you said, David Stern was an early um, really kind of saw, I think, where this was going to go and where this, how this can impact leagues. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I mean, just look at the names of uh, star athletes that have contributed to Hyper Rice's latest round: Naomi Osaka, Pat Mahomes, Anthony Davis, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, J.J. Watt, Kelly Slater, Ricky Fowler, Jarvis Landry, Christian McCaffrey, John Morant, Ben Simmons, Fernando Tatis Jr., Trey Young, Seth Curry, DeAndre Jordan, just to name. A few, and that that just goes to show you the confidence that you have um, from the active players that are, and big you know, big name stars across literally every sport, from uh, you know the extreme sports of of surfing to baseball, football, basketball, tennis. So, wow, and it's the it's the official recovery partner for the NBA and UFC. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, to your point, I mean, I think so many athletes have gotten in on this. And, and again, what I was, I was kind of saying there is it's one of those where David Stern really saw what he could do for leagues. And I mm-hmm. think athletes have also seen the impact of it. They use it obviously on the bench. If you watch them, um, they're quickly kind of like, you know, putting the sleeves on things like that. So um, yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to their uh, continued really development of what in, in their cooling and, and, and like, you know, heating technology and therapy. So, yeah. 
it's basically putting yourself in a sleeping bag for your legs. You never, never got to use them, so never, never had to to oh, do that's it. That's an interesting way of putting it, but yeah, sure. You know what? You know what I I had to do when I you know basically when I like tore my quad, uh, pulled my hamstring like that way, trying to make it sound more dramatic. It was their old regular, and I know you had to go through it too. Anybody, anybody out there that had an injury and you were you were playing through the early two thousands, you know maybe to the two through two thousand ten, trainers automatically tell you one thing: hop in the pool, ice and stem. I was about to say ice. <laughs> <laughs> Ice and, ice and stem and go hop in the pool. You got to show up to the training room and it's 6 a.m. And you're like, I got to get in the cold water. Like, no, I, it's just it's just so defeating. But, you know, you have to get better. And, um, yeah, all these uh, all these dudes out here are being able to have different type of therapy that is we had a lot this, uh, more relaxing. We had this running joke in Indiana. Like it was <laughs> it'd be like, ah, I think I just like, you know, broke my arm. Have you tried ice? <laughs> try ice. Try to throw a little stem on that ice and stem. You'll be good. Uh, that's nothing. I, I love everyone that I worked with in Indiana. All the athletic trainers. Um, but um, yeah, it was also it was to your point. It was it felt like that was the remedy for everything. So everything. It's like it's like Pepto Bismol to to black households. Yeah, it's like, when, <laughs> like get, you, get you some Pepto. Get you get you some, get you, <laughs> um. One more quick story here on the sports tech side. So perfect game. Like I said, I wanted to highlight a couple of baseball ones here. So uh, this one's me. Perfect game is, um, I guess, the easiest way to say it, right? It's the the national, like, scouting service. But they do so much around uh, youth baseball and softball across the country. They host a very large tournament. Uh, kind of in my backyard where I played at East Cobb growing up and uh, which is where so many people come in every year hoping to really be seen either for the first time or in front of the right scouts to be able to, uh, you know, further their careers uh, to college and, and obviously into the pros if that's, that's the route as well. So uh, what they have done is um, they have partnered with K-Motion. K-Motion is the biomechanics wearable company. Uh, to create a perfect game tech, which is a new venture that will provide amateur ball with scouting and player development data. Um, So what it's going to do is use K-Motion's multi-sensor vest, and they're going to be deployed using like the 3D body assessment, um, uh, high-speed cameras, ball tracking monitors, radar guns, and bat sensors. Uh, what this hopes to do is at some point kind of bring in kind of the AR and VR into what this, this will look like. But for right now, what this will help do is essentially help track data better as people come into these tournaments into perfect games uh, ecosystem. So now, you know, I, I, I think you could probably still look my perfect game rating up. Right. And that was all done on like handheld watches and people being like, Oh, well, that throw was a 70 or something like that, right? Now it'll be truly kind of official using the things that K-Motion has, um, you know, deployed over the past few years as they they have grown. Uh, Again, using like ball tracking monitors, using their cameras, their 3D body assessments to understand, you know, your velocity, uh, you know, how strong your arm is, you know, how good your range is, things of that nature. Taylor, what do you think about this? You know, just from the standpoint of the player, I think you hit everything nail in the head from, you know, describing what the product will do. Uh, I, I, it's going to add a lot of pressure, I think, especially for how, you know, high pressure, you know, perfect game scouting tournaments are anyways. 
Um, I think it's good pressure, though, because it's an honest feedback and honest ranking of who you are as a player and what you do from a performance standpoint. Um, But being able to track and do everything that you just pointed out so that, you know, you can see exactly where you are, like from your rankings and and what you do against, you know, the best either in the Southeast or if it's the national tournament where everybody's coming together. So, um, again, it's something that um, we're really seeing a theme here of major partnerships within certain segments because I think the market is very flooded with a lot of technology that kind of crosses over itself, you know, um, you know, overlaps itself a little bit. But with these strategic strategic partnerships here, you're elevating the game in different aspects um, at different levels. And so I, I think this is just another tool that one will solidify, you know, a player and their understanding of what they what they do from a performance standpoint, where you need to improve. And, you know, or if you you're at the level that you need to be to make that next jump, whether if that's. I was going to say professionally or college. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think I'm really just seeing all these partnerships strategically done by level, um, which is just overall improving the game. Yeah. And I think, you know, just building up true, like, you know, we're all getting into this place where your deep dives on data are kind of where the game is going. Obviously maybe sometimes baseball uses analytics a little too much, but um mm-hmm. If you go back to our, our Snell podcast or the World Series, we kind of I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> um, but it's one of those where, you know, for for amateurs, right? Or, you know, I think the first perfect game that you go to is like at 12. That means yeah. something, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would urge parents to to not like put too much pressure on their kids at that age as well. But this I is going to decide um, if you're going to college or not, son. <laughs> Um, but I would, yeah, but I would say it's one of those, if you're able to start to like track and understand a kid's potential at 12, uh, it really helps you to understand, you know, maybe why some people are going to be late bloomers or things like that, or like, Hey, like, you know, I see right now this kid is at this level, but you know, look at where, look at, you know, his body frame and all these other like things and and what he could potentially be at 16, 17, 18, uh, which I think is super cool. And that that way, I think it, that actually should kind of lessen some of the pressure. Then it's like, ah, oh, man, I'm not I'm not trying to kill yourself at twelve, thirteen on these travel ball teams stuff like that. So, um, yeah, also really focus on the things that you need to hone in on to make yourself a better player. So, right. um, again, shout out to them. Uh, like I said, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, they're with Perfect Game and uh, partnering with K Motion. I'll hit these super quick here. Uh, we're at the thirty five minute mark. Uh, funding rounds for this week. Uh, this first one, uh, Loop Tech Incorporated, uh, which is a new sports card. Uh, essentially, like the way you can like break sports cards. Uh, it's closed three million dollars in funding. Uh, really, since their launch uh, back in October, uh, the round was led by Upfront Ventures. Um, <clears throat> so it's. Yeah, really, the the funding is going to be aimed at uh, capital growth and growing uh, their business. So again, Lupe is a live uh, e-commerce streaming platform built for sports card collectors. Uh, the next one is Talent Hack. Uh, Talent Hack announced a raise of four point seven million dollars. Uh, the round is led by Global Founders Capital. Um, Talent Hack is uh, really making fitness more accessible. So in a world where there's no gym option, um, rather than creating their own feed, they created a platform uh, that allows 
really like a B to C essentially, right? So fitness instructors and studios, people could then find those, those people, find those instructors, find those studios, and then pay for it that way. Obviously there's so many people virtually these days. Uh, so talent hack, I think is, is a, a great way if you're one of those people that like wants to get into the, uh, the fitness game from an instructor perspective, you don't have like the space or things like that. This is a great way for you to like grow your business. So shout out to what they're doing, obviously taking advantage of where people are and what they're doing from a COVID perspective. Uh, the next one is Goal Setter. Um, this one has a lot of big time names attached to it, such as Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, but they just raised $3.9 million in a seed round. Um, in, uh, uh, recently here. So in the last one we have is, um, just want to shout this out. I think it's kind of cool. Nike in the NFL gave $5 million to expand girls flag football. Which I actually did not know was like a, like, like a thing. I knew that flag football would become bigger just because like you want to take away some of the like concussions or, or some of the injuries around like some of the smaller, you know, as, as like high schools were there, but there is a, a girls flag football program, uh, and really like league across um, high schools across the country. And like I said, the Nike and the NFL, um, seeing that a partner to donate $5 million worth of products and equipment towards that. So shout out to them. That's awesome. Um, any way that we can like, you know, continue to prop up women's sports uh, is always something that we should be doing. So shout out to Nike and the NFL there. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And that rounds out our funding rounds. Uh, so we appreciate it. I hope, uh, hope everyone has a, a safe and fun Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, hope you're able, I know we're all on Zoom, so it's like, hope you're able to kind of stumble into work on, on Monday here. Might make it a little easier maybe, but um, we appreciate it. I'm uh, Sterling Stemac. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, TaylorMac29 uh, on the other side. Uh, we appreciate it and we hope to see you on the next episode of Sports Tech Atlanta. See you talk.